The following was recorded in front of a live studio audience at the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe. Welcome to this episode of Pit Life Barbecue. Gather around the pit with your hosts, Johnny Mags and Greg the Barbecue Broker DiGiorgio. Let's talk barbecue. What's up, everybody? Coming to you live from the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe in Salem, New Hampshire. It's the Pit Life Barbecue Podcast, where we talk everything barbecue and a lot of other topics that you normally talk around the pit. As always, I'm joined by the barbecue broker. My dude. Hey, welcome back to the country, kid. Thanks. How's you doing? Whew. What a week. Everyone, yeah, you get to spend a week in Aruba. Yeah, every, that ain't too bad. Everybody should go. Rough life. I'm good. Every, I'll, stay in, I'll stay in the woods. 82 to 88 degrees in a breeze the entire time. It's perfect. I felt zero raindrops, maybe three raindrops. Oh, we had plenty up here. Yeah, it's been raining the whole time. Don't worry about on. it. You didn't miss much. <laughs> it was nice. I needed that decompression, you know? Yeah. It was good. So I'm back. But there was a place everyone's like, you know, of course I talk about barbecue all the time to everyone I meet. And I uh, probably showed a picture of my smoker more than my children. I don't even think I showed anyone a picture of my children. <laughs> like, it's not one person. But I showed him my, my backline 500. I probably nice. to like 5,400 people. Passed out all my, about 50 stickers. Went to this place. They said, you got to go try these ribs. Everyone goes there. The best ribs in the Caribbean. Award-winning ribs. I'm not going to mention any names of the place at all, okay? I don't want to do that. But these things sucked. Oh, no. They were boiled. They had no rub. I mean, you could tell, like, gross. They were gamey. They're oversauced, overcooked. I couldn't even cut them to shred in a pot. It's garbage. Oh. I'm going I want to open up a little hut in the beach. Didn't he say he lost his voice? I lost my voice. Yeah, I told him. He's like, <laughs> but I anyway, lost my voice. I'm not going to be able to I couldn't believe it. I was hoping to have some, something, you know, good down there. Just was expecting. Everyone's like, you got to go there. And I went there. I was like, yeah. yeah. So, so not impressed with that, but everything else was great. And we're back. And I turned uh, 25 in two days. <laughs> yeah, okay. 25 again. Yeah, 25 for, for the, the 15th time. Yeah. yeah, Something like that. Plus I, I'm not good at math, so. Plus 21 years. <clears throat> That's all right. <clears throat> I was going to say, I think you're even you're still being generous with the plus 15. No. So, it's my, so it's my birthday week, so who knows what's happening. Oh, you're one of these dudes, oh. my birthday week yeah. things. Oh, I celebrate you. the week, yeah, the whole okay. week. I'm a Leo. Yeah. That's what Leos okay, do. I hate celebrating it's, the day. If you're a Leo, Aww. you celebrate the week. It's just what you do. As far as I'm concerned, it's just another day in uh, my life. I still got to get up and go to work. So mm-hmm. whether it's my birthday or not, whatever. That's why we balance business it. as usual. That's why we taking care of business. Let's yeah. go. Yeah. So let's get in. We have a we, <laughs> we, we need to get, get into right this. into it. So today is brought to you by Uncle Steve's Shake because you know it's everyone's favorite uncle. You ever wonder why no one's coming to your barbecues, but everyone's going to your neighbor's house because your neighbor's using Uncle Steve's Shake, and apparently. You are not, which means one thing, Chrissy. You better get you some. Damn straight you do. Uncle Steve's Shake comes in over 10 amazing flavors, including their awesome competition line. If you can eat it, Uncle Steve has a shake for it. If you have any shake questions, Uncle Steve has fantastic customer service that will walk you through all your shake needs. It's time to take your backyard game and your competition game to that next level with Uncle Steve's Shake. Shake someone everything. Uncle Steve's and Don't forget the new Lucky Shake. Ooh, it's oh, delicious. Tremendous. He's tremendous. got some great stuff. Check him out. Today's episode also brought to you by Two Guys Smoke Shop and TwoGuysCigars.com. <laughs> Whether we were barbecuing or not, we always keep the smoke rolling. Thanks to our friends at TwoGuysCigars.com. Today we are smoking the United Abuelo. Oh, wow. 
Thanks to our friends at TwoGuysCigars.com. We get to smoke some of the best cigars in the world, and so can you. Just visit TwoGuysCigars.com for your perfect barbecue companion. That's the number two, GuysCigars.com. <coughs> and also brought to you by... Backline Smokers, Backline Fabrication out of Austin, Texas, Mr. Ryan Newland. As you know, that's what I rock. Backline 500 trailer smoker. Ryan makes just the best one-off pits, live fire devices, he puts his heart and soul into it. Every square inch is fabricated by Ryan Newland. Um, no two pits are the same. I mean, really, the possibilities are, are just endless. I would check out Ryan Newland at Backline Fabrication if you are looking for not just a pit, not just a live fire, but something that speaks to you, and that's important because you become one with your machine. So Ryan Newland, Backline Smokers out of Austin, Texas. Give him a look. And... Um, what else? Is that it? We got Ian Hemming from yes, Custom Cunning Boards R Us dot com out mm-hmm. of Magnolia, Texas. Yes. The last barbecue uh, cutting last board. cutting board you yep. will need mm-hmm. for all your barbecue needs. These are handmade right in the United States. Mm-hmm. They are made to take a beating that do. we all put on them between the backyards and the competition circuit. Mm-hmm. All right, made right here in the USA. The dishwasher board, the massive brisket board, and the soon to be on the market pizza, pizza board. Check enough. them out at customcuttingboardsrus.com. That's the letter R us.com. Out of Magnolia, Texas, correct? You ready for this? Yep. You sure? Mm. Okay. What? We are joined today by an absolute barbecue legend. Oh, yes, we are. And, you know, I have a whole list right here, and we could be here for a while. Nine, talk nine cookbooks. Barbecue author working on number 10. TV personality. Firemasters, Chop, Chop Grill Masters, Smoked, Food Fighters, American Grill, Best Things I Ever Ate, Tailgate Warriors with Guy Fieri. Spokesman through the years of National Turkey Federation, Dizzy Pig Seasoning, Cabo Wabo Tequila, Kansas City Steak Company, National Pork Board for years upon years, The Big Green Egg. Over 300 contests cooked, over 300 awards, and most importantly, 2014 Barbecue Hall of Famer. Ladies and gentlemen, the man, the myth, the legend, Dr. Barbecue, Mr. Ray Lampy. Ray, thank you for joining us. How are you? Oh, my pleasure, guys. That's a heck of an intro. I hope you can the, the hype. I can, I, I, can, I can take a breath now. Ooh, one shot on that one. It's just amazing. It's such an honor to have you on the show, man. Wow. I told you, I just, the only thing is I just started before you guys, man. I just started before everybody. You know? <laughs> <laughs> going on. I just got an early head start. Well, we, we, we have a, uh, a guest who is here usually during the show. He had to leave a little bit, but he was in the competition circuit and he's met you a few occasions down at the Royal. And he asked me two things on your right arm. If you can tell me what time it is. Well, it's my left arm, and it's a wristwatch, and it says one minute after five. Five. Quitting time. Quitting time. That, right. And he said that, uh, why is it you look so much like Paul Kirk? 
<laughs> he said yeah, he, he uh, hates it, but he's going to get a laugh at it. Around. Back <laughs> in the day, Paul was, Paul was the man. He was the first guy out of Kansas City that was becoming a big deal. And, but he's just kind of a cranky old bastard. And, and I, I got sideways with him a couple of different times when we were young and ended up being the best thing I ever did for my career was having a big fight with Paul Kirk. <laughs> so it wasn't a bad move. We made up many years later. We made up. And last time I saw him, he grabbed my ass. So, so I'm with friends. This is good. All right. All right. Now, for anybody who does not know you, who is Ray Lampy? How did you get your start? In the barbecue world, well, I, I, it starts with I was in high school and I signed up for a foods class. This was it was the seventies though, so it was like teach girls how to cook for their family. It wasn't like these culinary programs they have now. Me and my buddies just thought it'd be a goof off class. We'd get to eat and there'd be a bunch of girls in the class, and and that was exactly all true. What I didn't anticipate was I was going to like the cooking, so I learned how to cook. I was fourteen probably, and I could cook blueberry muffins and. And I, a quiche I knew how to make and just a couple different things. And, and, but from then on, I always cooked. So fast forward to 1982, I'm 25. I'm working in the family trucking business. That's, that's who I really am. I'm a truck driver, man. That was 25 <laughs> years of my job as a city driver in Chicago, every neighborhood, every alley in Chicago. I was the guy making deliveries, but I was the only one who knew how to cook at 25 years old. And a friend signed us up for a rib cooking contest in downtown Chicago. I didn't know how to cook ribs. I borrowed a Weber kettle and bought some ribs, but I was the only guy who knew how to cook. So we, of course, went down there and drank a cooler full of beer. We didn't win anything, but I'm telling you, I was hooked from then on. Because like, this is where I tell you, I joke about, you know, I just started ahead of you, but it's really true. Every one of us has got that story about, I went somewhere and said, holy cow, this is like, these are my people. You know, I mean, I like to cook, but all of a sudden I was outside cooking with a cooler of beer. You had to get your buddy to build you some kind of cool grill. There was fire and big pieces of meat and danger. And, and I was like, this is it. This is, I, I truly changed my life that day. And I've been a barbecue obsessed guy ever since. We've all got that day. Mine just was 1982. And as a little bit of an addition to that story, <laughs> the other guy that was there, it was the first barbecue cook-off ever around Chicago. The other guy that started his career that day is a guy named Dave Raymond. And Dave uh, went on to have the Sweet Baby Rays. Him and his brother built Sweet Baby Rays oh, and wow. sold it off later. So. It was an epic day in Chicago history that it was Mike Royko was the old Tribune columnist. And he started a beef with his neighbor about who knew how to cook ribs better. And that's how they created this event. And but I mean, it, it changed my life. That's the day. Awesome. That's, awesome. That's amazing. So where did the Dr. Barbecue pot come from? Because that's the one thing, you know, I've done my, my research with you and, you know, following you for over the years on TV and everything. That's the one story I haven't heard of where did the doctor barbecue pot come from? Yeah, unfortunately, that one's not a great story. I probably should make up a better fake story. <laughs> um, I was I was really getting into the barbecue thing and starting to go to competitions in the early 90s. And I bought a new van just specifically because I was going to do that. And I Illinois never allowed vanity license plates until then, right at that same time. So I was like, well, I got to get one. And, and this is how old I am. I had to send in the postcard. 
with three choices on there. And they sent back, I didn't know which plate I was going to get. I'm not even sure Dr. Barbecue was my first choice, but it was just to be a funny license plate for my van that I was going to go to cook-offs with. And they sent the Dr. Barbecue license plate and I stuck it on my van and not never thinking this is going to be a persona, you know, and and it, it just worked out that way. And all these years later, I did trademark it and I bought drbarbecue.com when the time was right. And, you know, those were the things I did right. The the origination of the name is just a, something that just happened. I could have just as easily been Mr. Barbecue or Barbecue Guy or something. I really don't remember what the other choices were. <laughs> so it. luck on the draw from the, the Department of Motor Vehicles. Registry. <laughs> Illinois, not so awesome. That's great. Awesome, awesome. What do you got? What's up, guys? What's up, Kev? What's up, Doug? What's up, guys? Thanks for joining today. You know, it's funny. I actually got found my, my barbecue obsession uh, started in Chicago. Really? Yeah, it was a trip, just a quick trip with my uh, parent, uh, my wife's uh, uh, parents and their friend uh, smoked ribs in the backyard. And I didn't even, I, you know, growing up around here, the 99s or, or some local restaurants would have ribs, but they weren't, you know, barbecue. They were just, you know, kind of broiled or boiled or spoiled <laughs> you know, and covered in sauce. And I didn't know you could even do what he did. You put smoke and bark and all this stuff and rub and spices. And when I bought a house, I said, I'm getting a, that's it. I'm getting it. I'm getting a smoker. And that's all mine. So Chicago was my birthplace of my barbecue love. In 2008, and I started in two years later. I bought my house in 2010. Nice. Yep. So Chicago, man. Chicago, Chicago, it all baby, comes, comes full circle. Full circle. That's good. Oddly stuff. enough, that's cool. <clears throat> so you started in the early 80s on the barbecue circuit, and obviously you've been there with barbecue ever since. What are some of the things? Or c- compare the barbecue circuit and competition barbecue then and now. Oh, Good one. Oh, man, it's not even close. Oh, it's a <laughs> Wild <laughs> West back then? <laughs> oh, it's, it's, well, I, it, the short story is we used to show up with a cooler full of meat and a cooler full of beer mm-hmm. and drink the cooler of beer and see who could cook the meat best. I mean, literally, <laughs> when I was teaching classes, I, I was like the – Paul Kirk was doing classes, but he wasn't winning anymore. I was still winning. I was the first guy giving it all up. I needed the money, frankly, and that's why I did it. But I could teach guys how to win a barbecue cook-off. And one of the things I would tell them was, don't just have your lettuce in your beer cooler. You got to bring a separate cooler for, for lettuce. Imagine, I mean, now no one would even consider that, but that's how it was. The The rule that says your pork butt has to be four pounds or five pounds or whatever it was, Uh, That rule was instituted because we would come to town when we started traveling and run to the grocery store to buy a pork butt. Imagine that compared to now. And and you couldn't always get a whole pork butt. They would cut a couple pork steaks off them. They'd be in the case for four or five pounds. And that's why that rule is there. So it was so different. We we just didn't even, I was one of the first guys that actually started going to other states to cook us because everybody else would cook the one or two that was by their house. And if you lived in Kansas City, you could cook all year. But other than that, there was, you know, no circuit. And we, you know, a few of us started saying, well, heck, I'm just going to go to these other towns and do it. So it's it's grown up so much that it, it just can't even compare it. Um, I was, I always say we were, you know, me and some of the guys that were there back then were the test pilots. We were, we were trying to figure out, do you, 
how do you manipulate the judge? And somebody came up with the idea one day. It was a guy named Mike Scrutchfield from Kansas City. And he he was the first guy that started building his boxes with the intention of getting the judge to write a nine down. The rest of us would just make a nice little bed of lettuce and put our, our food in there. The chicken, you would take a whole chicken and part it out and put it in the box. It was like cooking real barbecue and turning it in. And, you know, we, I was there with the guys that started saying, wait a minute, what if we do this? And uh, Darren Worth uh, from Smokey D's is yep. one of the best in the country now. I was, I was talking shit about that you shouldn't be turning in just a money muscle. You know, I thought that's really not fair and you shouldn't do that. He said, you're the guy that taught me how to do it. So, <laughs> I mean, we really, I was butterflying. I wasn't quite doing that. I was butterflying the pork butt. So that you got the one end, the bones and stuff would be on this side, and then this side would be sort of the kappa, sort of the kappa call, and uh, that's what I used to turn in, and and he's you know it evolved from that. And at the same time, Chris Lilly from Big Bob Gibson's did a video where he talked about the money muscle because the Memphis and May guys would serve that up. They had to cook the whole shoulder, but they would serve that part up. So you know, I, I was there when some of this stuff, the evolution of some of these things happened. Uh, so it, it's come so far. And unfortunately for me, it's swung a little too far. The guys these days, I call them technicians because there's not a lot of culinary testing and prowess going on. They all do the exact same thing, very similar things. And they, they are perfectionists. They're really good at what they do, but there's no more testing. You know, we, we really did. I, the barbecue sauce we serve at my restaurant, I won a bunch of contests for years with that sauce. And I made it at home, and it's not like anybody else's <clears throat> sauce. It, mm. It's certainly not like Blues Hog. And, mm-hmm. you know, then along came Blues Hog and changed the world. We all figured out that, of course, we also couldn't buy all these rubs and yeah, sauces. Right. You know, so it's it's so different. You can't even compare it. Uh, I mean, I'm proud to have been part of that OG world of it. Uh, you know, some of the things I wish would go back, though. You know, if I'm if I'm not mistaken, your, your first ever – um, poultry win wasn't even chicken. It was That's turkey. Right. The trophy's right over there. Good <laughs> <laughs> story. Uh, so when the Mike Royko rib fest ran for ten years, and all we ever cooked was ribs, and it got to where I had a big locker of a grill, and I would cook a couple cases of ribs, and we took a couple half barrels, literally two half barrels down there to drink. It was a heck of a party, but all we cooked was ribs. So little by little, I was becoming a pretty good rib cook and it didn't branch out much. So they had a, uh, they quit having it after 10 years. And I just happened to see, you got to remember what this was. We didn't have the internet, man. Um, I saw a little blurb in the newspaper that said they're going to have the first ever Kansas City Barbecue Society, Illinois State Championship. And I'd never heard of the Kansas City Barbecue Society, didn't know anything about it. And I, I went, so I, I called a guy and I was at a bar and I called him and signed up and I didn't understand that you were supposed to cook all four categories or you sh- you'll be in your best interest too. I thought you pick one. And at the time, the category was poultry. Turkey was allowed. Duck was allowed. You could have cooked pheasants. You could have <laughs> cooked whatever you wanted. Uh, Cornish hens. It, it was so loose back then. You know, the rules came later once everybody started trying to manipulate everything. Um <coughs> But so, yeah, I cooked a turkey. I injected it with sherry and butter, and I cooked that turkey, and I still got pictures of myself. I'm wearing a wife beater. I had a mullet. I mean, I was, you know, <laughs> I was, I was yeah. 
And, uh, uh, but I came in third place and I still, somehow that trophy has survived. It's just a plastic bowling trophy kind of trophy. <laughs> and somehow that one survived of, you know, all these years It's 1991. So it's 30 years now. And, uh, that one survived, but yeah, the, and the, I mean, pork, the, the, uh, the, the guy who was having a contest could make up whatever category he wanted. The one that one up there when I cooked, cause I cooked it years after that. And, it, he would cook bone-in pork loin. You had to get a whole big bone-in pork loin because that's what he felt like cooking. There was also in Kansas City, guys were cooking pork tenderloins. And that's when they said, okay, no, no, we've got to cook pork butts. So, I, I mean, we were cooking when those rules were changing. So wow. these days I'm a spokesman for the National <laughs> Turkey Federation and they are making no, no secret about the fact that they would like to see Turkey become a regular category back in KCBS. And I told everybody, you know, listen, I, I can, I'm proof that it's, this would not be something new. This would be going back to what it was 30 years ago. Yeah. Now, I don't think we'll get back to allowing whatever poultry you want, but we very well could see Turkey show up as a fifth category. Oh, that would be great. I love cooking turkey. Sherry and butter. I know. Do you still make it like that or ever mess with that or? It's been a long time. I uh, the recipe's in one of my cookbooks, and that sounds, I, I yeah, had to you know like recir- recirculate the actual recipe. But it's oh. been a while since I made one. Maybe I'll try that this year. Sherry and butter. I'm gonna hey, try- do it. I'm up. gonna I'm gonna, I'm gonna get that book. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna hey Ray it. Sheehan, what's up, brother? Ah, um, right. <clears throat> uh, there's just so much. There's so much. Um, it's been fun, I can tell you that. I've been very lucky. And I, you know, back when I started too, we were I was on the short list of guys every time they did a TV show. Well, the original TV shows, I got called right away for chopped when they went to do chopped. I was the first guy they called and I was the first guy out of the if you remember that saloon that that first series we did, we all walked out of them saloon doors. I was the first guy out of the saloon doors cuz you know, I was just back then I I was the guy. Now it's the so many guys have become such a big deal and yeah. cookbooks, you know, I've written nine of them. It's been a while since I wrote one. Now when I wrote, I wrote my first three with one publisher and got the, done with that and had the conversation with this. I had a, an agent in New York to handle book deals are a little different or they were back then anyway. And he said, well, I don't think we need any more cookbooks, no, any more barbecue cookbooks. So we got to come up with a new plan. I think Mike, Mike Mills's book came out right about the same time as mine, his first one. And Paul Kirk had a book, and Rakeland, Steve Rakeland had a couple books out already. Uh, but it was the beginning of time. So once I wrote three, we were like, well, we don't need any more of those. You imagine how many barbecue books have been written since then? Yeah. That was probably 2006. Man. How many came out this year? There's probably 50 that came out this right. year. Oh yeah. oh, yeah. We, you know, I know we work with a, um, with a company, Page Street Publishing, mm. around here that, you know, get um, the authors on for interviews and you know, I first hooked up with actually with, with Ray Sheehan from Barbecue Buddha. He right. was, you know, he hooked us up with that uh, publishing company, and they, we've always been in contact. Yep. And, you know, Billy Gillespie from Smoking Hogs, you know. Read a bunch of books at all, point. Yep. Yeah, yep. he's on his fourth or fifth. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but fourth, yeah. the yeah, the, the, the books when, uh, <clears> when we <throat> just moved, me and my family last year, that was when I had one, one box was just barbecue cookbooks <laughs> it's like how many do you need not enough there's a new style a new new theory new yeah. procedure you know it, it's a constant learning you know being a conscious student of barbecue because it's ever changing 
you know, and the good part of that story for me though was so we decided, well, what am I, you know, what else could I write about? And I said, well, I could write a tailgating cookbook. And so I have that I had this really good agent that I ended up with in New York <clears> for <throat> books. And he said, Well, he pitched it to the publisher and they said, Well, you know, Mario Batali had just written that NASCAR branded tailgating book. And they said, What if you could get, you know, it's another maybe get the NFL or somebody else? So he cold called the NFL and they said, yeah, okay, we haven't written a cookbook in a while. That guy sounds good. We'll do that. So I wrote the NFL game day cookbook. Wow. Yeah, just a cold call. I mean, imagine that. Imagine? Yeah. That's pretty cool. You never know unless you ask. Exactly. That's exactly. exactly. You never know unless you ask. Talk about that, guys. That's pretty damn cool. So with, with, with through the years, what what is your opinion on – you know, like the the protein grading now, you know, because this we're get in my opinion, it's it's getting crazy, <laughs> you know, with the A five, the A nine, and the way the you know the way goo the Kobe Prime Choice, you know, I'm an, I'm just an old fashioned guy. Give give me a and, and I've taken a lot of a lot of flack for it over the past couple of years. Of when I when I when I cook cook a choice brisket, why are you cooking choice? Well, first off, that's what the store had, <laughs> you know. That's what I could afford or willing to pay because we're in the Northeast for it, you know. <laughs> you know? So, what's your th- what's your thoughts on the the grading nowadays through the years? Well, we've all gotten so accustomed to lux everything. You know what I mean? We we. I mean, I think about how my father lived. You know, he ate steak once every couple of weeks because he could afford it. And he didn't know about no prime steak or Wagyu or any of that. He was happy he got a steak. And we are so spoiled. Um, as far as at our restaurant, we're getting ready to open a restaurant. It's coming up on three years. We, we tested everything. And we had uh, we were using certified Angus beef. We, we sort of switched lately. But. Certified Angus beef is like the top end of choice mm-hmm. is what we're using. They have prime also, but it's a long story. The way they grade things, you should try to get one of them guys on. It's really an interesting program. And so we tested that against Snake River Farms. We ordered up a couple of see because you can buy them in the restaurant world cheaper and they're not quite the perfect ones that we get for, for competitions, but you can buy them a little cheaper. And we didn't like it, frankly. We, we didn't like, to me, brisket is all that collagen and all that texture when you perfectly cook it, that's what brisket is. So when you start with something that's kind of like a strip steak with all the marbling, I just don't think it cooks the same as a brisket. So now the competition world, it became the thing. And so now if you don't cook that, yours is not going to be the same as, as everybody else's and it's going to have a different mouth feel and it's just not going to work out for you. Uh, but for day-to-day cooking, I think it's ridiculous to spend $200 for a brisket. Mm. Um, there's there's one company, and they do it now as well, but I was working with this company and, and told them, if you would handpick the briskets and get just the 15-pounders and the ones with a nice fat flat, you know, you could charge a lot of money for them. And they said, oh, we couldn't possibly do that. And, you know, it would be so much trouble. It wouldn't be worth it. I said, look, Snake River Farms was already doing it. I said, look at their website. They're charging 180 bucks for a brisket that you're getting 30 bucks for. I said, you might want to look into this. And they do it now. They they forgot to thank me, but <laughs> it's amazing how that all happened yeah. so quick. I, I can tell you one other story about Snake River. I was out in Seattle. 
I've, I've led such a blessed life that, you know, in this barbecue world. So Chris Lilly and I, Chris is a good friend of mine from Big Bob Gibson's. So years ago, that we get invited out to Seattle to do a cooking class. And it's a whole weekend thing. We're going to do a bunch of stuff. And we cooked the competition and won three out of four categories. Um, so they, at the time, they're bringing in this snake. They were working with Snake River Farms because they were up in Seattle. So they got us a, pork, a whole pork shoulder. Chris tried to describe to them what, they, what he wanted. They didn't even know. And I wanted a brisket. So we get this brisket. It looked like, you know, those Africa rocks that the world's strongest men carry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it had all kinds of stuff hanging on it, fat and extra muscles uh. and stuff. It was, I mean, it probably weighed 25 pounds. And I whittled it down and got down to a 15-pound brisket. It was nice. But it was 99 cents a pound. They didn't know what to do with that stuff. Chris got the front shoulder with an arm on it and everything. We were calling it an antelope shoulder. They basically, <laughs> all the value was in the loin of those hogs in the beginning. They yeah. had those Kuraboto uh, 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 hog, hogs that they were growing out there. And mm. they were selling the, the loins, the middle of it, to Japan. They would box that stuff up and send it over to Japan. So the sh- And the hams they could deal with. The shoulders they had no use for. So Chris had to take this whole front quarter of a hog and whittle it down to make a shoulder out of it. And I mean, that's that was the Snake River Farm stuff that is now, you know, what are they getting for a brisket? Uh, 10 bucks a pound. And it was 99 cents a pound. And they didn't even want it. They were happy to get rid of it. Wow. Oh, that's amazing. That's, <laughs> that's a good story. That's pretty, imagine. Yeah. <laughs> So, you know, you've partnered up with a lot of different companies throughout the years, but the, the one that sticks out to everybody, and I think it's just the actual longevity of it, because you'll see, you'll see someone teamed up for, you know, six months, a year maybe, or, you know, the, the shot over the moon, two years. You spent at least probably 15 years with being a spokesman for the big green egg. How was that experience? Yeah, it was 17 years, actually. Well, I mean, nobody was getting, nobody ever got paid by a grill company before me. I mean, I I had to talk them into it. It was was not something anybody was doing. Um, A friend of mine over in Lakeland, a guy named Nick Nicholas, he's out of the business now, but Nick was in the grill business and he, he, he was my friend and he saw what was happening and he said, you sh- really, these grill companies need to hire guys like you to be their spokesman. Because if you went to a trade show back then, you would see all the grill company. So one thing we had to do, though, was somehow cross over between the gas grill guys and the kettle guys and the barbecue guys. We had to somehow bring all that together. And Nick was the guy that could, could make that happen. So he introduced me to, to Napoleon Grills uh, out of Canada really nice folks. And I worked with them for about a year, went to trade shows and cooked. And and so they were really smart. So they put me in a chef jacket as opposed to a salesman in a golf shirt cooking that nobody would take serious. All of a sudden they had me there wearing a Napoleon chef jacket. And I did that for about a year. And that didn't, it just didn't work for me because it was a gas grill. And I was at a trade show cooking on a Napoleon. And next to me was the big green egg guys. And I, back in the day, they had an early forum uh, on the internet and I used to go on there and trash talk them because they all would like name their eggs and they were so into it. I would make fun of them. (laughs) They all knew who I was and I'm talking to them. And so little by little, I'm looking at this whole situation and thinking, well, this might work. 
So I called the guy. The guy told me, give me Jim Newfer was a guy. He later worked for Primo. I think he's out of business now, but he sent me, he gave me his card. And he said, give me a call one of these days. Let's talk about this. So, so I did. And, and he said, well, why don't you swing by and we'll give you an egg and take it around what you do. I was still pretty active competing back then. And so I took it and I started cooking my chicken on it. And I was doing okay. So I had an opportunity to go cook this contest in Kentucky. And one of their distributors wanted me to to be there with them. And I said, well, bring a bunch of eggs and I'll cook the whole contest on eggs. And I did. And, and I actually, I won the contest. It was the first time anybody ever cooked a contest on all eggs. They brought me four eggs and I won the contest. I think it was 2003. And so after that, I was qualified for the Jack. So I called them and I said, well, you know, if you want me to cook on all eggs at the Jack, I will, but we got to get partnered up here. I'm not going to just do this for fun. And they did. They came on board and actually started writing me checks. And they were small in the beginning, but little by little, we grew together. The company was in a strip mall uh, when, when, and there was guys changing their oil, like out in front of the place in the parking lot. There was an auto parts store next door. I mean, it didn't look anything like it does now. And, uh, and I mean, I was green at that point too. I wasn't very good at being a spokesman back then. So we grew together. It was, it was a great relationship. I, I had a lot of fun with them guys. We went a lot of places, did a lot of stuff. They grew like crazy. My career grew. I mean, I wrote most of those nine books while I was working for them. Actually, I did. The last one was a Big Green Egg cookbook. So I wrote all nine of them while I worked for them. Uh, I mean, you know, I became, we built, we created that position of, of a hiring a barbecue guy to work for a grill company. I mean, I, you just can't say it any other way. And then if you go to the Hearth and Patio and Barbecue Association show, HPBA, uh, back then they had salesmen. They would have an outdoor area with the grills. But again, it was all just the salesmen just to cook a steak or something. All of a sudden, I was there cooking all kinds of crazy stuff. Plus, I had the big green egg to work with, you know. So it, it really blew both of us up really well. It was a great relationship. I don't know. They just, they, they, they. <coughs> After all those years, they they came to me and said, "Hey, we want to kind of reorganize what we're doing with you." And it involved. I said, "Well, does it involve less money?" And they said, "Yes." I said, "Well, let's just call this a good time to jump off." Then you know, yeah. nothing personal against them. Yeah. They, they, my honest opinion is they see all these influencers and all this stuff, and I don't do that. You know what I mean? I'm not making ten YouTube videos every month for you and doing all that stuff and. You know, they, they really wanted to reallocate some of their efforts right. and money to that kind of stuff. And I get it. And but I just didn't want to. And they would have kept me around probably as long as I wanted to. But at a reduced rate, I was kind of like, hey, I'm going to try some get out there and try something different. Yeah. And that was about a month before COVID hit. <laughs> so it's been a bit of a wild ride since then. But but I needed <laughs> to take a little time away anyway. But I don't be surprised if you see me partner up with some other grill company here next year i i don't have anything on the table but i think if i start fishing around i, I might find something yeah it's about time to get back on it yeah you still using that what's your uh your vessel of choice to to cook on in your in your backyard right now you, you yeah, still, the egg the is still there yeah. uh, i didn't move anything i i did what i've done is add so yeah, yeah. i did a, a, a an, an event for the hpba because there was their whole conference was virtual this year and the sponsor was Primo. So they gave me a big Primo oval. So it's sitting out there yep. like three feet from the egg. And I bought a, well, actually, I, should, I didn't buy it. They gave me one too, Pit Barrel. Those guys gave me one of those things. Nice. I'm looking for something different. And 
And uh, the pit barrel, I love that thing. It's a lot of fun. Yep. I do have a Weber kettle that I, I actually bought it because I go on local TV all the time. And I needed something light and easy to throw in the, in the back of my car. So I went on Facebook Marketplace and bought a nice copper Weber kettle for 50 bucks. Nice. You know, it's out there, nice. too. And, uh, and, and I'm actually looking to add a pellet cooker at some point here just because I don't have one. And so that's sort of been, at the moment, that's what I'm doing. Have you guys ever talked to Ted Reeder up in Canada? No. No. Uh, you should look him up, Ted Reader. He's uh, Ted's been around doing this as long as I have. He's just in Canada, but Teddy's got a hundred hundred grills in his yard. Uh, probably more than that at this point. And uh, that's sort of always been his thing. Is that he he never he worked with Napoleon a lot, but he sort of works with everybody, all the grill guys. And so you see Teddy cooking on something different every week. And I don't think I'm going to go that far. I don't think I want a hundred grills in my yard. But it's <laughs> kind of fun because. For all those years, I didn't cook on anything but a big green egg. Mm. Also, they big green egg expanded and expanded to where I, they have sauces, rubs, knives, cast iron cookware, charcoal. Uh, they had everything, and it really kind of eliminated anything else from me doing. Now, they took good care of me, and I got no complaints at all. But once that ended, it allowed me to work with Dizzy Pig. And, and I almost had to deal with a charcoal company, but I don't know if you know much about what's going on in the charcoal industry. Those guys, because of COVID, they're all selling as much charcoal as they can get their hands on. Yeah. They don't need it. I can't help you if you're already selling everything you could possibly make. So uh, so that didn't work out so well. But <laughs> it's been nice to float around a little bit and work with some different companies because yeah. I was very much tied to Big Green Egg. And again, I'm not complaining. I'd have continued doing it for a long time, but, but not in a pay cut. That was just a yeah. place to jump off. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm looking in the chat, and uh, my dear friend and brother, CJ Volkman is in there from on YouTube cooking with CJ and CJ's Q, and he is a fan of a particular one particular musician, and there is a bit of a connection with you and said musician. Uh, can you you know tell us real quick when you were the executive chef of Southern <laughs> Hospitality Barbecue in New York? Oh yeah, like I said, I've been so blessed. I've been, I've got a lot of lucky breaks in my life. I get a call one day or an email. I wake up in the morning and I got an email in my box, and it's from a guy up there. He said, "Listen, I got a barbecue restaurant in New York, and and I'm having some problems. I really need you to come up here and help me get my barbecue restaurant on track." And I said, ah, "I'm, you know, I live in Florida, man. I'm not coming to New York." And he said, "Well, take a look around at what the name of it is and see what it is, and and you know, let's talk." So I I, I Google around. And it's Justin Timberlake's barbecue restaurant. It's called Southern Hospitality. Justin's from Memphis. So Justin and his buddies are hanging out in Memphis. And they're like, man, it'd be nice if we had a place like this in New York. So the guy says, I just closed my nightclub. I could run it if you guys want to do this. So they do. They open this restaurant. And they don't really get a barbecue guy to run it. At the time, there wasn't. There's a lot of good barbecue cooks in New York now. There wasn't back then. And so they get some guy BS'd his way into it. And. They put two big cook shacks, electrics, in there. And that was, of course, it's New York, and it was limited what they could do. Anyway, I finally, he finally talks me into going up there, and I look it over, and I'm like, no, man, I can't do this. I, 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 this is going to be too much work. It was like November. I knew I was going to end up spending January in New York, and I was in Florida, man. <laughs> but sure enough, finally, you know, I, they talked me into it. I couldn't say no. And uh, I, I signed this nice agreement with them, and it paid me pretty well. And uh, so I basically was the chef at Justin Timberlake's restaurant. So I was going back and forth. But so I cool. finally go up there like in January, of course, to stay for a month and freeze my ass off and get it fixed. 
the second day I was there, they said, Ray, we got a photo shoot. You got to get, you know, get spiffed up. I sat at the bar, did a photo shoot. A week later, I was in People Magazine as the new chef at Justin Timberlake's <laughs> restaurant. That was the kind of publicity that came along with this place. It was nuts. And we had a lot of fun. <clears throat> Justin would come in regularly. Uh, he claimed he knew how to cook. He was a really nice guy. He, uh, he, he never. We were going to cook a dinner together, but it never happened. So I don't know if he can cook or not. <laughs> but, I mean, he was as cool as he could be. He'd come in and hang out uh, until people started messing with him. You know, every, we, everybody had flip phones then because I always just remember it. Every table would be holding their flip phones up, taking pictures of Justin. And so then he'd have to go in the back room. Uh, and at one time he's he's in the back watching the, the uh, MMA fight with his with his friends, and so they said, "Ray, cook something you know off the menu for him." So I go get some pork tenderloins and I grill them up, put a coffee rub, and so I, they said, "We're gone, take it back and go say hi." So I go back and, and say hi to Justin, and bring the pork tenderloins. Yeah, Ray, good to see you. Ray, this is our friend Leo. It's Leonardo DiCaprio. The MMA fight. It was the day. I don't know if you guys are MMA fighter. Oh yeah. Man. When Chuck Liddell took yep. he was washed up Ice and took it on the chin that day. That was the night. So uh, Justin's bodyguard is at the door because they're in the back room. And then we've hired a bodyguard for the day because we got all these people there. Uh the guys from One Republic were there. Uh Timbaland was there, like some supermodel babes. I mean, it was ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> it was fun, man. We had we had a lot of fun up there. One time they Justin and, and Trace Ayala is Justin's like lifetime buddy. So Trace gets to just go along for the ride and he doesn't really have to do much. He's just <laughs> Justin's buddy. So he gets, he's like a partner on the clothing line, Justin's clothing line. He was a partner on Southern Hospitality. So we're, they, they have a clothing line coming out. So it's fashion week in New York. So it's Justin Timberlake's clothing line. So we have to go cook the food. I mean, it was just ridiculous. That sounds awesome. The, That's so much the fun. Stuff we did. Yeah, it was a fun <laughs> gig, man. Oh. I've been very lucky. Yeah. And, you know, Ray Sheehan from Barbecue Buddha, like I said, a dear friend of mine, Oz, and, you know, he says, love Dr. Barbecue. He paved the way for so many of us in the barbecue world. Such an inspiration. Wow, 100%. And, you know, I, you know, I, th- I think that kind of sums up, you know, everything you've done in your career, you know, 30-plus years of, you know, innovation, teaching, and everything under that giant umbrella of barbecue, because that that that's the thing, you know. We we're already we're at forty two minutes. We got about another three minutes left, and there's so much, you know, so much that we could go over with you. But um, obviously, the barbecue. The last thing, real quick, the barbecue Hall of Fame. What was that feeling like? Getting notified that. A, you're a finalist for it, then B, saying, welcome. Yeah, totally cool. First of all, let me say thanks to Ray for saying that because it is a compliment. It makes me feel good that people didn't notice because, I, you know, yeah, I know how to cook barbecue. Yeah, I knew how to do that. But I also, I'm an entrepreneur. I'm a real entrepreneur. I mean, trust me, I've been broke. I've been self-employed my whole life. I've, you know, it's been up and down and that's just how it goes. I, I'm not, I, I know how to do that. And, and I know how to promote myself and that's what I knew how to do. I'm, and, I'm, you know, I know how to do business and, and that's, I combine that with the barbecue. And I think that's, what's been my success. Um, I was sitting with Myron, we were shooting smoked and 
I mean, those guys, you know, all those OG guys are my buddies because we were out there on the barbecue circuit when nobody knew who we were. So I'm sitting with Myron. We had just shot smoke down in Austin. We're sitting in a hotel drinking and we're hammered. And, and uh, he says, uh, I mean, maybe Myron wasn't hammered. I don't want to accuse him, but he was hammered. Um, so he says to me, he goes, you know, Ray, you are the guy who, who first turned this into a business, who led the way for us to, you know, figuring out how to do this stuff. And I said, well, let me, let me record you saying that. He goes, go right ahead. So I get my phone and I record him saying this. And I, I really don't show it to people very often because he was drunk as hell. And I was just <laughs> as drunk and it's kind of not fair. But one of these days I'll show that to everybody because I don't think he would care. He's, he's into it. So it's a, it's a compliment to hear that kind of thing. Think about that, what I just said. Myron Mixon told me that. Yeah, that's Myron, huge. It's Myron's like, done pretty well. Myron pretty has huge. left the field at this point, but it's nice to get a little recognition. Yeah. And, and the Hall of Fame was, I mean, that was the feeling for me. It was two things. It was, you know, wow, they did notice, you know, because, you know, in, in your own in your own head, you did all this cool stuff and you think you accomplished all these things. And and you're never sure if anybody notices or not, mm. you know, winning a trophy is fine. But they give you the Hall of Fame trophy. It's kind of like, wow, I guess they did see those things I was doing and kind of acknowledged it the same way. Uh, but the other side of that was, and if you, my speech, I think is still on my website. It's long. The whole video is too long. They need to clip it up. But I said that, why me? That was, that was what really struck me though, is like I, I, American Royal, you know, I've been going to American Royal since 93 or something like that. And, and the, I, I know guys have been going there for since 10 years before that. And, and they've won everything and they've also done things and, and they just never m- became that out front kind of people. And I was like, why me instead of them? Look at all the people that need to get in here. But part of the story with that was the American the Barbecue Hall of Fame. We just got a late start. You know, there was, a, I've been part of a couple different attempts at it. And we got into these bitch fights over, well, it shouldn't be in Texas. It shouldn't be in Kansas City. It's, you know, and on and on and on. And finally, these guys started it in Iowa. Mike Tucker from Hog Guys started it in Iowa. And Ray Basso from the Barbecue Forum started it online. And then they pass it on the American Royal. And we've always, I've been part of it in a lot of ways. Uh, these days I'm on the nominating committee, but I've been part of it in a lot of ways. And I always felt that if we didn't, if we made it all Kansas City, it was going to be screwed and it wouldn't get, it wouldn't become the real Hall of Fame. And, and I think now we're probably 10 years in of doing it right. And it really is the real Hall of Fame. So we're going to get there. All those other people are going to get in because as the nominating committee, it's ridiculous how many people, Arthur Bryant came up this year. Nobody had nominated yeah. Arthur Bryant. And somebody brought it to the table. was like, wait a minute. How can we, Ali Gates was up to be put in from Gates in Kansas City. It's like, how can we put Ali Gates in without Arthur Bryant? And they're both going in this year. Yeah, was right. Deservedly so. Um, so it's been, you know, it's really, it's, it's, I have this uh, emotional attachment to it, but also this attachment that everybody else needs to get in there too. There's a lot mm-hmm. of people that belong in the Hall of Barbecue Hall of Fame, and we just got a really late start, but we'll get there. Right. Right. Awesome, Ray. Well, Ray, we're just about out of time. Um, I li- I'd, I'd like to have you back at some point for part two because yep. I only got through one one of my sheets. That'd be huge. You know, so. Yeah, I'm pretty long-winded, too. So no, I'm that's, that's no, fine. That's but, great. But, sir, thank you so much. It was an absolute honor to speak with you today. Thank you for so taking some time. these days, for sure. 100%, Ray. All Thanks right, so Ray. Much. Thank you so much. Thanks, guys. Awesome. Wow. True legend. Wow. For sure. 
in the presence of greatness. Yeah. Like Hands seriously. Down. So many things wouldn't that we know of since we've been in it wouldn't have even happened if it wasn't for, for Ray. Yeah. And everybody he came up with, you know, like he said, Mike Mills, you know, from Apple City Barbecue, you know, who, you know, rest in peace, lost him last year. Yeah. Yep. But, you know, there are so many of these guys and, you know, we, we owe it all to them. Where, 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 where we are at today. The ones that we know about and, and the, the ones, ones that we, we don't. don't. For sure. Hell yeah. But let's roll this up. All right. So what's going on next week? Just figure it out like we Figure out do. tomorrow. Tomorrow's <laughs> another day. <laughs> That's it for this week, folks. We'd like to thank you all for joining us. Catch the audio wherever podcasts are found. Catch the video on Facebook and YouTube. On YouTube, hit that subscribe button and notification bell. You have all our episodes right there at your fingertips. Mm-hmm. Follow us on social media at all the links down below. Questions or comments, please send them to pitlifebbqpodcast at gmail.com. And like always, subscribe, like, rate, and review. Hit that share button button do it that's it it. but uh till next week keep keep the smoke rolling the views and opinions expressed by the hosts guests or callers of this program do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the studio 21 podcast cafe the united podcast network its partners or affiliates